The following is a production of the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Welcome back to another edition of UFBA Today. I am your host, Sho Ali. Thank you for being alongside me as always as we wrap up the NBA and UFBA regular season and playoffs with a bang because as of Thursday night, we finally can say the inaugural champion of the 2021-22 UFBA season has been crowned, which means the NBA season is now over. Uh, now floodgates open as we look ahead to the rest of the summer and it's kind of weird to be thinking already about what the beginning of next season will look like come September or October but a uh, pretty busy summer lies ahead so uh, very excited that you could be with us for the last episode of UFBA today not for the summer there are going to be more episodes don't get me wrong like we're going to do one with the draft the NBA draft is coming up in a couple weeks and then the UFBA draft comes itself the UFBA entry auction I should say comes a little later on uh, in July. There's going to be the futures auction at some point this summer. Um, there's a lot to look forward to, but of course, before we can look forward, we do have to look back a little bit. And of course, uh, again, the UFBA champion is the Spitfire Aviators, which is pretty exciting. So congrats to Nick Lewis, the owner of the Aviators. Uh, congrats to Chris Kroll, who, I mean, look, the Aviators were one of the best put together teams in the regular season and Chris did a fantastic job of GMing the team through all I guess four rounds of the playoff draft right that was just pretty remarkable I remember Chris if you're watching this I remember there was a period of time when you forgot there's a flurry of moves that you were making lineup wise and you had forgotten to you taken Tatum Jason Tatum out of your active roster lineup and you had moved him to the bench and there was other guys you're moving around then you moved Tatum you forgot to move him back to the active roster. I think it was it was either the first game of the NBA slash UFBA finals, or it might have been one of the final games of the third round of the playoffs leading to the finals. But either way, I remember you were quite distraught, and we were <laughs> we were talking about it. So, hey, I'm glad that didn't end up costing you. Funnily enough, who would have thought that one of the worst players in the NBA and thusly, the US, the UFBA finals would have been Jason Tatum after all. He was awful. Isn't that crazy how it works? I mean, he's probably one of the best, what, top 15, 20 players alive today in terms of active NBA players. He was terrible. Like, who, like Andrew Wiggins erased him from the face of the earth in Game 6. And I mean, he did that a lot of other times. But man, like, Tatum had as poor... At NBA Finals, as you might see for someone I think is very close to being a superstar, right? Like Tatum is a star, and I think he's right on the cusp of being a superstar. Like if LeBron James and Steph Curry are the two faces of the NBA, and I mean after after the performance in the NBA Finals, how could you say that Steph Curry is anything but the face of the NBA at this point, right? I mean, four NBA championships, what, two league MVPs, I believe, and now finally his first finals MVP. I actually can't believe, I guess I can statistically wise but it's wild to think that for an all-time great Steph Curry has never had a finals MVP and I know there are some people out there who are really like really bagging on Steph saying oh man uh, you know the, is he really that good if he doesn't have a finals MVP can he win without Kevin Durant come on I mean Steph Curry is one of those players that warps 
a team's defense when he is on the court, right? I mean, like Kevin Durant is a great player and he kind of does that too, but Steph Curry, so like Steph Curry is one of those few players that you could say literally changed the game of basketball when you looked at the grassroots of, of the game, not just in America and Canada and so on, but all over the world when you see guys like hoisting threes and so on. Uh, he changed the way the game uh, is played, right? He is a true superstar, and I'm hey, I'm glad to see he's getting some flowers after uh, Game Six. Not that he needed it by any means, but of course, uh, after I think it was it just three years ago, the Warriors or two years ago, the Warriors were one of the worst teams in the NBA when Clay had the torn ACL, and then of course the torn Achilles just right after that, and then you got the Draymond was injured for a while, Steph broke his hand, right? I mean, it's been a pretty wild ride for the Warriors, and uh, also pretty crazy to think that we are we witnessed kind of a modern dynasty, right? In the span six six trips to the finals in, what, eight seasons? That's pretty remarkable. But, um, hey, maybe we're witnessing the beginning of a dynasty of our own in the UFBA. Again, uh, Chris, Nick, congratulations, the crew of the Spitfire Aviators who are uh, atop the UFBA mountain for the very first time ever. And um, if you'll just pardon me for a second here, I'm just going to going to reach down for what Chris and, uh, <laughs> and Nick are going to be getting in the near future. Um this thing is actually quite heavy. Uh, you can see here the UFBA trophy. It's been sitting in a box for a little while, but there it is. There's the shiny basketball, and then you got the the uh, UFBA logo, right? So it's pretty cool that these things. This thing has been kind of sitting around for. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I, I think I, I think I got it right before right before the end of the regular season. So I've had it since about the beginning of April, but I didn't want to like really bring it out until we knew who was going to be crowned the champion. So there you go. This is going to belong to the Spitfire Aviators for the next, I guess, until the next season begins, right? They get it for the summer. They can take it to, you know, I, there's no bowl like the Stanley Cup that you can eat out of, but uh, it's pretty cool looking. And uh, I'm glad we got the gold the gold basketballs, I, I actually kind of thought that was pretty neat, too. They didn't have a lot of options for basketball-type stuff on Trophy Smack, but Trophy Smack did do a brilliant job with how this looks, and I think it's very pretty. So, uh, hey, congratulations again to Chris and Nick, and I'm going to put this down before I break it. Uh, okay, so that's done. Um, let's take a deeper look in, into the uh, various things in the uh, UFBA Finals, why don't we? Of course, the uh, I mentioned it, the uh, <laughs> Spitfire Aviators are now the champion. Pretty cool logo, too. I think uh, it's kind of funny to think that across different UFF sports, um, like not just basketball, but like football and, and baseball and hockey and so on, there are there's a team, I believe, called the Aviators, uh, I think in baseball. And then I think in hockey, I could be mistaken, another sport has the Spitfires. So here we are with the Spitfire Aviators, which I kind of like. <laughs> but you know what? All the UFBA teams did such a fantastic job with their logos. So um, this is no different. But again, hey, congratulations to you guys. Um, let's look at the bracket, the way, the kind of the teams you had to go through to get here. So of course, this is the last, the previous bracket and the Aviators defeating the Midnight Owls. And I, I think it can be understated what a, what a fantastic job that Gage and the crew of the Owls did in getting to this point, obviously. I mean, it's a... Gosh, it's such a long season, and you never really know what's going to happen along the way. I mean, I remember, I mean, I told that story about Chris and the Jason Tatum thing. I remember in, gosh, I guess it was right after I became the head of sport for the UFF basketball team, and I remember Gage and I were talking, it was short, a little while after, maybe a month or so, as we were getting towards the trade deadline, and the Midnight Owls ended up making a relatively impactful trade. They acquired Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Now, okay, see, so I don't think they made the playoffs, right? So it didn't really matter in the playoffs, but Chris Paul had just gotten injured. And obviously we know what a fantasy monster Chris Paul is for the Phoenix Suns. And 
Pretty remarkable that uh, like Gage basically got Gilgis Alexander back, and then Chris Paul came back as well from that lengthy layoff, and then was pretty impactful throughout basically the entire playoffs. And then of course they they got they got smoked in the in the final round for them, right? The Phoenix Suns did. So that that didn't help. But again, I, I find with the can you kind of see here, right? I, I find with the UFBA playoffs, and I, I dare say this extends to any of the UFF sports uh, playoff groups playoff formats across any of the sports but once you get into the playoffs truly anything can happen like i know that's a cliche in sports like you just gotta make the big dance and who knows what will happen that's like relatively speaking true when it comes to real sports because i think like by and large especially in seven game series maybe that's the case in the nfl where you know a single game elimination something truly wild can happen and you maybe you fluke and you move on or something but in hockey and basketball baseball i think there's a lot more like because of the difference between pitchers and, and position players and all that stuff a lot more variance for like wild bleep that can happen essentially <laughs> i'm not sure if we can cuss on these things i i gotta say i should really find that out but anyways uh we uh in, in hockey and basketball and over the course of a seven game series i dare say more often than not the better team will win right like more often than not but in the ufba playoffs and in the i'm sure in the ufhl playoffs as well because you draft new players every time. Who really knows what happens with any of these guys? Like, really, right? So I think I think that's really fascinating. So, hey, I think it's a kudos to all the teams that made the playoffs in the first place, uh, survived random encounters, survived COVID cases <laughs> impacting games here and there, which I think happened uh, for the Celtics a couple times with Al Horford and some of those guys as well. Jalen Brown, I think, too, with the injuries and so on. Uh, but, hey, in the, in the end, it's funny to think that the two top seeds for the entire season, for the most part. I know the Skyhooks were up there for a little bit, but I mean, for the most part, the Midnight Owls and the Spitfire Aviators were at the top or near the top of their conferences essentially all year long, right? And uh, it was fitting that we got the final, the final batch battle was with between the, num the two number one overall seeds and uh, one of them prevailed. So uh, a lot of fun this season and uh, you got to see the uh, trophy in person, which is uh, right there. Uh, let's look at the uh, some of the fan track scoring. So this is some of the more individual scoring. So this is the final score here. Aviator is winning 19.1 to 16. And you can kind of see the players on this team too, right? I mean, it was an interesting mix, I thought, that led us to the uh, the NBA slash UFBA finals. I guess more specifically with the UFBA finals because you got, you got guys from both teams here. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they, like they both, both of these teams, I mean, you look at the, on the, on the right here, both of these teams had players from each team, but that kind of offset each other a little bit. Like you had the Midnight Owls who had Steph Curry, who was of course named finals MVP, like we're talking about, and he had a fantastic series, but it was like, how much was that offset by having Andrew Wiggins and other guys as well? Like Jason Tatum, I, I, yeah, I, mentioned, I thought he played very, very poorly, but Clay, Wiggins, and Poole with their contributions, because there were a couple of games where Steph Curry, I mean, there was a couple of games where Curry went absolutely nuclear, right, to carry the, <laughs> the Warriors to win, but there were a couple of games, too, where Wiggins and Poole were the primary offensive motivators. There were a couple of games, too, where Kevon Looney was the primary offensive motivator, right? So, I, I just, having, it's interesting to see that where the star power falls versus where the like the, the the role player stuff kind of falls because you never really know right like you never really know how those things work out so again i guess the aviators getting the depth contributions from guys like clay guys like wiggins guys like jordan Poole, 
And uh, unfortunately, um, oh, well, I guess it doesn't matter for the aviators, but unfortunately for the Midnight Owls, the uh, Jason Tatum poor play wasn't enough to uh, catapult them into a championship. Though, again, very, very close, as, as you can see here. I get, and again, I guess if you look if you look at the way the points were distributed, again, um, not a lot of the categories were super close in the end. Like, certainly the free throws kind of close. Free throw per, uh, field goal percentage kind of close as well. But if you look at the, like, if you look it up, the, the, the categories that are not accounted that make up for field goal percentage. Field goals made versus field goals attempted. A little bit of a disparity there. But again, I mean, look at those other categories. Steals, only only the difference was, what, six steals in the end? Difference is only three rebounds in the end? That could have easily turned the tide for either of these teams. So um, I think we can safely say there were there was no there was never a point where, at least to me, it seemed like one team was going to really pull ahead. But hey, I thought it was, a, again, a very impressive job by both teams. Um, I know a lot of people had some questions about this. Uh, people really wanted to know about the prize pool breakdown. So this this tab is for those, and we usually put the the link to this in the description of the podcast as well. So if you're listening on a podcast or you're watching on YouTube as well as watching on Twitch, you can find this in the description uh, of the of the actual episode. But uh, the cap sheets are where I keep the all of the the information of all the teams, where what the rosters were, what the fine payouts are, the playoff rosters of all the teams. All the information is on one of the many tabs on the uh, cap sheets document. So you can find it there. And this is one of the final ones. If you go to the bottom, you'll see other tabs. You can scroll all the way to the right and you can see the, the uh, payout. So this is not just for members of the UFBA. If you're curious as to just how the teams are constructed or anything like that, you can find this as a fan of the league on the cap sheets as well. And so again, this is the prize pool breakdown for the 2021-22 season. And again, like you'll have to do some math if you want to see exactly where you were, because you might have won your division and be the three seed and have the MVP on your roster and made it to the semifinals, right? So you can kind of see the amount of teams that win each kind of grouping. Obviously, two teams for every division win. So there's a lot of there's a decent chunk of payouts for the regular season because, of course. Um, you know, the playoffs are relatively short compared to the marathon that is the regular season. So I think you want to be rewarded a little bit for, uh, you know, for getting this far and, and doing the things that you did, even if the uh, playoffs don't go your way. I mean, look, I'll use the Skyhooks as another example. I've talked about them a lot and Mooch did a great job building his team. But he also, he relied on a lot of rookies and... Some of the, I mean, look, Kamenga was on the, <laughs> made his way to the NBA Finals and won, so hey, good for him. But a lot of the highly touted rookies, let's use Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and Scotty Barnes as an example. Cade Cunningham uh, did not make the playoffs, and Evan Mobley, I forget where the Cavaliers finished. I think they either went to the plane and got eliminated or made it as the eighth seed and then got eliminated anyways. They didn't go very far, and the Raptors got beaten by the 76ers in the first round as well. So all three of those guys got bounced relatively early. Or didn't make the playoffs at all. So Mooch basically had three of his top contributors not be available. You get what I mean, right? So I think, uh, you know, the way it's balanced is something I really like. And this is relatively similar. I don't know if the exact breakdown is similar in terms of 1 through 10 seed and the number one overall seed and, and, and so on and so forth. But all of that... 70%, 30% regular season playoffs, I believe is a, is a split that is pretty pretty uh, static across the entire UFBA, but, um, or pardon me, across all of UFF sports. So they do, every sport does it slightly differently, but there you go. So um, again, congratulations to the Spitfire Aviators, a very successful season. And uh, I'm, I'm happy I was kind of along for the ride with you guys for my first uh, go around uh, with uh, UFF Sports, and now get to hand out that pretty cool-looking trophy, right, to uh, Nick and Chris. I um, I guess as of things that we're looking forward to going forward for the uh, rest of the season, 
again, I mentioned it. We're going to talk about the... Let's see. We're going to talk about the UFBA draft. I shouldn't call it the draft. The UFBA entry auction, which is where the teams that have draft picks and a lot of draft pick trading has been going on and in a in a very, very shortly, basically, I don't want to put too fine a time limit on it, but very shortly, we're going to commence the off-season moves being allowed, trading resuming and all that kind of stuff. So that's going to happen very shortly as well. Uh, I know there are a couple of trades that are just kind of hanging on the platform right now, just waiting for me to click accept. So we're going to get right back to the offseason. It's going to be a very busy offseason, I'm sure. And uh, obviously, we're bringing back all of the teams that were eliminated out of the playoffs at the end of the regular season. They're going to be very active as well because, again, the NBA draft itself, once that is over, in a, I guess in about a week or so, once the NBA draft is over, all of the players that were drafted by real-life NBA teams from... In the, I mean, there are only two rounds in the NBA draft anyway, so it's a pretty short affair. But all of the players drafted in those rounds are going to be made... So when you go to the website, you'll see basketball.uffsports.com, that website. <laughs> you'll be able to see all the different players, non-active players or free agents, are all listed as either, I believe, prospects, draft prospects, or future players. Now... Those don't matter too, too much as of right now. The, the, the categories will become a little more strict as we go later into the offseason because we're going to change the way free agents are acquired in this league because it was something that was kind of added a little late, so I didn't want to change things mid-season. We're going to change here in the offseason. In the beginning of next season, we're going to hit the ground running with the way the scouting system is integrated into the actual gameplay of the UFBA in terms of how people acquire free agents and uh, kind of promote them, quote-unquote. Uh, to the active roster, but that's coming later. We can spend some time on that after the uh, UFBA entry auction, the NBA draft later in July. Um, but I do want to uh, put out there that what's going to happen for the uh, UFBA entry auction is once all the players have been drafted in real life, all of like this, I, I don't think it's exactly 60 players this year, because I think a couple of teams gave, I think in real life, forfeited their draft pick, so it might be slightly less. Um, so we'll have to see how that kind of how that translates to the UFBA entry auction because of course every team started out the this year with uh, with two draft picks per team right so we'll have to see how that kind of directly correlates one to one um, but typically what happens is all the players that get drafted in the actual draft in real life they are translated to whatever their their status may have been before is made to be draft prospect players all the other players are turned into prospects or futures or what have you and then. The draft prospect players are the guys that are be are eligible to be selected by NBA, uh, pardon me, UFBA franchises in the UFBA entry auction, right? So um, we can talk a little bit more about the draft as we get a little further on into the offseason. Um, because again, the uh, UFBA entry auction is going to take place at the end of July. So we're still a little ways out. I wanted to give people some time to really digest what happened this year. We're going to have the owners meetings at some point where everyone, and I encourage everyone, if you're watching this and you're a UFBA owner or GM, I uh, encourage you to send me or Keshav, our commissioner, the uh, rules that you'd like to see change. So your rule proposal changes. We're going to have a couple as well. And uh, we'll, we'll compile them all into one big document. We'll have some meetings where we discuss these rules. People can add them as they wish, and then we'll vote on them. And uh, all franchises, of course, are uh, mandated to vote. Because obviously, if you had a board of governors meeting in real life, all those franchises are mandated to vote too, right? So I think uh, we're going to be, as we do in, at the UFF platform, we're going to be mirroring things one-to-one uh, -one when, uh, when it comes to the UFBA and the NBA activities. Um, so that's what's on the horizon. We got the uh, UFBA draft or the UFBA entry auction. 
franchises are going to use their draft picks to, to bid on players. That's kind of like tokens, let's call it, to enter the bidding room and bid on players. Uh, we'll have a backup set up just in case. I believe the backup will be on airauctioneer.com, but I'm hoping that everything goes smoothly on basketball.uffsports.com because, I mean, let's face it, that's ideal. And, uh, and we'll be giving the payouts for the fine pool and for the actual winners, as you saw there on that kind of Excel sheet image breakdown um, soon as well. I will say, and I'll, and I'll mention this to the other people as well, the, the other owners and GMs individually, but of course, the founders have stated due to some developments, some exciting developments that I'm not actually sure I can say out loud here, but uh, has been communicated to many of the owners on the UFF Sports platform, payouts and league fee collection, and the league fee has been set at $1,000 USD for the UFBA as voted on by the owners, but uh, league fee collections by moi, the uh, league, uh, the payout, prize pool payouts, the fine pool payouts, all of those are being temporarily delayed until some more exciting news concerning the future of not just the UFBA, but the entire UFF sports platform comes out a little later on publicly. I believe the, the time frame is late July, early August, but Rest assured, everyone will get their SCO payouts by the, I guess it, well, certainly before the beginning of next season. Let's put it that way. As far as we're concerned, basketball-wise, by the beginning of next season, well before the beginning of next season. Um, and it won't affect too many things uh, going forward because there's not going to be a lot happening this offseason, right? So, rest of, and, and again, you can if you go to uh, basketball.ufsports.com and you go to the drop-down menu, you see leagues at the top and you click on the UFBA, you can actually see how much money, how, much, um, how many SCO tokens, let's say, are in the prize pool as of right now. I believe last I checked, it was around 435,000 SCO tokens. So that's the amount that's going to be divvied up amongst the various franchises. And of course, for those franchises that did not make the playoffs, leasing payouts for the teams that did. So for example, Jason Tatum did not belong to the Spitfire Aviators. Uh, the the franchise, and I'm blanking off the top of my head, but the franchise, I believe it was the Battlehounds. Uh, but either way, the maybe, maybe it was the Lucky 13s. But either way, uh, the franchise that owns Jason Tatum will be receiving some SCO payouts based on his rampage through the playoffs. And despite it, it coming up short in the end, he did help, uh, to a degree, the Aviators to a win. So the franchise that owns his rights will be getting some payouts on his behalf, right? So there you go. Kind of how it works. Like the different players, even if those teams don't make the playoffs, still earn you a little bit of cash, which is kind of exciting. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming this summer. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The entry auction is going to be a lot of fun. I think um, whoever, again, I guess it was the... Uh, was it Joanne Maud, uh, who is uh, affiliated with the Sharpshooters? The one who buying Chet Holmgren? Again, I don't know if Holmgren is going to go number one overall. Um, I think you can have the, the debate whether or not he should go number one overall, right, to the Orlando Magic, but... Uh, but he's going to go top three. There's like, he, if he doesn't go number one, he's going to go number two. And if he doesn't go number two, he's for sure going three. If he, if he slips out of the top three, like that's got to be some like draft day, how many guys went to his birthday party type stuff, right? Because I like Chuck Holmgren, I don't know if he's going to be a successful NBA player. I like to think he will be, but I mean, he, I feel like he's a pretty intentalizing prospect. So again, uh, Joanne buying him for, I forget what the exact sum was, but it was for, it was on the cheap. So I feel like, you know, you're already coming out in the green when it comes to who, whichever franchise in the UFBA buys uh, <laughs> buys Holmgren in about a month's time, maybe just a little over a month's time. But um, before we go, I do want to spend a little bit of time on the UFWBA. We're into June. I believe the regular season ends sometime in August. And uh, last episode, I showed off some of the really snazzy looking logos. We got four more to show you, which is pretty cool. 
Um, so why don't we get right to it? This one, I mentioned Mooch before. This uh, is Mooch's team's logo, right? The Seven Seas family of teams. Um, I think there's uh, there's the the Rage, the Fury, of course, the Skyhooks. There's some other guys as well in different sports. But um, this is the uh, the uh, Seven Seas family of logos here in the UFWBA, the Skunks. I remember when we when the name was approved or when he, when he asked for the name to be approved, we were kind of like, eh. Do we want that one? <laughs> but uh, I think uh, we do. I, I, I actually like the logo. Ross, our uh, very talented graphic designer and, of course, head of the horse racing division and uh, champion. I mentioned Ross last episode as well. Champion over in the UFAFL uh, for the uh, inaugural Legion champions. Um, he designed this. And again, Ross is a ta very talented. He's helped me with a couple ones as well uh, upon request. And I think he's, he does a fantastic job with these. So um, the Seven Seas Skunks, that's one to look at. This is from Nelson. And uh, Nelson Martins is the owner, along with Brad, who is, I believe, the GM. So Nelson is the owner of the Lucky 13s in the UFBA. And Brad is the GM of the GOAT, I believe, in the uh, UFBA as well. So they join forces. They're co-owners of the Hardwood Queen. And I think this one's pretty cool, right? It's kind of like, kind of like like a little like a druid something or other, right? You got like the kind of like that thing. I don't know. It looks pretty cool. Um, I will say as well, this is probably like the highest quality logo I have ever gotten from anyone because when it was emailed to me, um, the the picture took up my entire monitor. It was like I could literally just see the woman's eyes. Like <laughs> that's how big the image was. So this is as high res an image as you get. Just whoop, just shrunk down uh, for our Twitch streams here. Um, let's bring in this one. This was given to us from the uh, Majesty family, the Crown Basketball, Crown Baseball, Crown Sports family of uh, UF. UFF sports teams, I guess, right? The Majesty obviously being one of the teams that made it to the Final Four uh, in, in the UFBA playoffs. But the Tropics, uh, pay no mind to the little white things. I'm only noticing that right now. It's just really the circle with the uh, very, very uh, colorful, calming, soothing logo. I very much like this. I, this is a, this is something I'd like buy on a shirt. You know what I mean? Like it's like a little patch kind of like here. You can like right on your chest wear a pocket or on your pocket or something like that. I very much like the Tropics. It's pretty cool. And uh, probably one of the more creative logos from Jake who owns the Aurora. Uh, I got to say, I think this is really cool. Um, I've never asked Jake if he is Canadian. Uh, I, I would, like, I think that's Canada Goose. Right? Like, that's a Canada goose, right? I think. Um, and hey, those, those vicious creatures. So, if Jake is Canadian, he did that, pick that on purpose. Uh, you know what? Good for you, man. Because those, I, you ever, I remember once I was in Stratford, Ontario, and I went to go, like, it was walking down um, the home of Justin Bieber, by the way. Uh, I was walking down <laughs> the uh, path to get to, like, where the Shakespeare house is, like, where they do all the plays, because that's where, that's what Stratford is known for. And there's just tons of geese. That's because there's a little lake there kind of a large pond, I guess. Anyways, people paddle boat and so on on it. And the, the geese are right there. And they are some vicious, like you just walk by, they will attack you. I'm not kidding. They will get at you and they're scary. So, hey, Aurora picking the fantastic name. I also like the pink lights. I mean, the pink and green, the green basketball, obviously the Aurora Borealis and so on. I think it's, it does a good job evoking that, but, uh, yeah, these are some, for the four, we had five last time, four this time, there's one more outstanding, we'll show that off next time, I hope, but uh, yeah, they, I gotta say, I, I've said this before about the UFBA logos, all of the UFBA logos are pretty cool. I got it. Like they're, 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 everyone did a fantastic job with the UFBA logos. And I got to say, it's pretty much the same 
for the uh, UFWBA as well because they're all they're all consistently super high quality. And I mean, you look at these four, you look at the five we showed off last time. I just how could you argue any different, right? They're all so different too, right? They're not all the same style or anything. I just I think everyone has done a fantastic job. So, anyway, so that's the quick look at the UFWBA logos. And again, the season continues. Um, I believe the teams at the top, as you might imagine, are the Aurora and the uh, Bull City Blazers. Uh, Victor doing a great job constructing that team for the Bull City Blazers, and uh, uh, Jake doing a fantastic job selecting a lot of rookies. He went the Mooch route out of the UFBA and selecting a lot of high-ranked rookies, paying top dollar for guys like... Uh, for women, I should say, uh, like Ryan Howard and Nelissa Smith. And Ryan Howard, I mean, she's been great. I mean, I, she, I, there was a reason she was number one overall pick. I believe the number one overall pick for the uh, WNBA next year, like a year from now, uh, I guess in, I guess that would be like April or May of 2023, I believe is supposed to be one of the more transcendent talents as you have, basically, in, uh, in WNBA recent memory, essentially, right? So we'll see which team ends up with that person, because that might be like a Cade Cunningham... Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes type situation where like the top of the draft is like super top heavy. But again, there are also just less players that go to the WNBA because of the size of the roster, size of the teams. But hey, um, Jake doing a fantastic job with his roster construction and Victor as well as they are the top two teams in the standings right now. But uh, this has been another uh, great episode, another fun episode of UFBA today. Maybe I shouldn't myself call it great. I guess that's up for you guys to call it great. I, I enjoy doing it either way. I think it's a lot of fun. But again, this is not the end of UFBA today. We'll do, maybe we'll try and do one uh, after the draft as we lead up to the entry auction as well. And um, we'll get some more uh, media stuff out there as well for UFBA today as we uh, get into the summer months and free agency in both the NBA and UFBA is still to come. So it's going to be, you're still going to see me uh, much to the delight of a very few and uh, to the chagrin of most, I'm sure. But <laughs> we appreciate you being alongside me at any time of day for uh, UFBA today. It's a lot of fun. But thanks for listening again to this podcast on Twitch, on YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast, wherever you watch your favorite YouTube videos. And until next time, uh, have a great night.